Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I guess I've got to call them soon to find out. Yeah, yeah. What Sunday morning was like. Yeah, you got to follow it. You got to follow it. It's a great story. If people can get it and read it, it's a great story. And, you know, $1,000 and the horse ends up being first in the Kentucky. I don't know that he wins it because we'll find that out down the road, but ends up first to the wire in the Kentucky Derby. And $1,000, honestly, man, that's dinner for a table of eight. (laughs) That's really what it is. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I should clarify that at a good restaurant, not at Applebee's or something like that, at a good restaurant. But only one item ordered. You can't be getting a starter and a salad. No, no. <laughs> no, you get you, you get your dinner. You get your entree. And then there's... Does every, it include beverage? Where At a good restaurant or, or at Applebee's? Like a, yeah. Which? At a good restaurant. Let's go with a good restaurant. A good restaurant... They don't price it like that. The, that's, you know, that's two or three Chuck bottles comes of over. Wine. Chuck comes over and says, "What can I get you from the bar?" It's <laughs> sort of how it works. And the half a glass. Yeah, uh, just a splash. splash. Timmy would say, yeah. "Kibbly, Kibbly." Yeah, yeah, you want to just a splash just in here? Savion Blanc, splash. Yeah, um, this is <laughs> Happy palm birthday talk. to you. Palm talk. Uh, Michael is here, six feet one inches away from me on Uncle Benny's table, socially distanced. My hearing just went out. Uh, not my hearing, hearing, but my. Microphone hearing. Uh, there's stuff to talk about. That open has refers to Medina Spirit, and Chuck Culpepper will be on again because this story continues. This is a news story. This is something I like to talk about. It reminds me of when I was an actual journalist, so I enjoy that. The Nats, of course, are killing me. Uh, last night, doing a lot of texting with Michael and with Saliza and then with Chuck Todd. I, I mean, it's just, they're just... Josh Bell, I'm sure he's a fine person. I admire the fact that he's formed a book club but he can't hit. He doesn't, he doesn't hit. He strikes out or grounds to first or whatever he does. He doesn't produce any runs, and you got to get him out of the lineup. You have to circle the first inning and the sixth inning, and he actually legged it out to a, you know, he, he forced the play at first. It That's should right. have been a double play. Keep That's the right. Line going. And you want him to succeed so badly because they did a nice story he's, about how he wants to be involved in the Nats Academy. But he's not succeeding. Desmond, yes, he's not succeeding. He's batting 130. He's not succeeding. There's a first baseman who comes in off the bench and seems to get a hit every time. Ryan Zimmerman should be playing more than Josh Bell. Kyle Schwarber in left field. He's been okay in left field. He's got a nice arm. You know, didn't throw anybody out last night. But sneaky hard arm. He's got a good arm, but he's also batting under 200. Feast or famine. Yes, he's delivered a couple of big home runs, but most of the time he doesn't do anything at all. Victor Robles doesn't help you at all. Your catchers don't really help you at all offensively. They don't score any runs. They put a lot of people on. They don't bring them in. The Phillies put someone on. They move them along. They bring them in. Lead off double. Pitcher moves him over with a perfect bunt. Yeah, yeah. and then sack, sack fly. fly. And and that's you know that's how you win baseball games. Opportunistic. Eric Fetty has proven over two to three years that he's not a high-quality major league starter. He's a very marginal pitcher. He gives up four or five runs in four or five innings every single time he goes out. Puts you behind the eight ball. If you don't score, you don't win. The Nats have now lost six out of seven or something bad. And they've lost a bunch in the division. They lost three to Atlanta. They've now lost to the Phillies. And, they, you know, they're trying my patience. They're making me nuts. They have, lo- they have won one <laughs> divisional series. And you look at Fetty, you go, yeah, he's actually Miami. a very serviceable four or five pitcher. But what happens last night is you throw so many pitches and so many balls. It's Geo. It's watching get, a right-handed you get, Geo. You get no calls on <laughs> the outside of the plate. Two right-handed hitters, and that's exactly what the Phillies have. Just killing me. Just killing me. Um, 
I, I got this in the mail. I got four boxes of golf balls in the mail. I have put them in front of Michael, and I'm going to read this letter that accompanied them. Dear Mr. Tony, as a long time little, I wanted to share my new golf ball company with you and send you a box of that. I started Piper Golf during the pandemic when golf was one of the few things we could do safely, and I became tired of spending $50 for a dozen good balls. Piper Golf is designed to help every player find their perfect ball with ease. Our ball models are color-coded, and each aligns with a recommended handicap range, all at a fair and honest price. Piper Golf Balls are made in the same factory as the big guys and perform as well as the expensive balls you buy in the pro shop. The website launched last week, so you're among the first to receive the balls. I'm sending them to you even before I send any to my brother, Eat It Bobby. That's his brother, <laughs> Bobby. Eat It Bobby. For you, Tony, I've included a dozen Piper Green, made for short knockers and those who are tired of keeping score. I've also included a dozen of our top-of-the-line Piper Golds for Michael. He and the Murray golf team used to beat me and the Sidwell team up and down the eastern seaboard, so consider this a peace offering 20 years later. I've thrown in a dozen Piper Blues and Piper Blacks as well. Feel free to try them out or give them to Bootsy and the Hammer, who I assume are good enough to play them now and would make better use of them than you. Piper Golf can be found on the web at www.piper.golf. Yes, that's piper.golf. And on Instagram at piper.golf. Any golfers can use the code TONYK for 10% off their offer. Well, off their order, rather. Off their order. All my best, Michael Gottfried. Bobby Gottfried's older brother, PJ's son. Wow. PG's son, rather. Isn't that nice? What a lovely message. Isn't that very, very nice? So if you're looking for golf balls, we uh, it's I'm not going to say we recommend because we've not used them yet. I'll, I'll roll a few on but, the uh, putting green this, uh, this morning. Yeah, so Michael will, will tell you how they work out. Piper Golf. And, and we, Bootsy and the Hammer now take all of my old golf balls because everyone just has golf balls floating around their house if you you know, you know hit them against a tree or a cart path and then you, they become inside balls to putt with. Right. And they now just take them and they put them on my chair and then they... Like peace offerings? It's more like... Like what the dog would do with a bunny that she like killed? they're trying to trip me up because there's a few leading to the chair and then they just sort of look over, you know... To see what you'll do? to see if I sit on a dozen golf balls. Oh. And of course I go, who, who, who put these golf balls down on this chair? Well, not Liz. Scurrying around. Yeah. Um, so we're happy for the Gottfried family and yeah. we, wish, we wish Michael a lot of success with these golf balls and we'll try them out for everybody. I wanted to get to something that is disturbing to me. Disturbing is the right word. And if you're unaware of this, um, a group of players and staff on the San Diego Padres and New York Yankees are in COVID protocol, including the most famous person uh, who is in is Fernando Tatis Jr. And you say to yourself, how do these guys get the virus now? How do they get the virus now? Well, they're young and they go places that I wouldn't go. So I'm not going to even talk about them. But a couple of coaches on the Yankees, including Phil Nevin, the third base coach. Nigel, how old is Phil Nevin? Can you look that up? It's probably yes, in his 50s, 40s or 50s. Anyway, Phil Nevin, among those people on the Yankees who have tested positive for the coronavirus. And the interesting thing to me, and the reason why we talked about this, however, briefly on PTI last night in the big finish, and I went, gah, like that is because Phil Nevin claims to have been fully vaccinated during spring training. So spring training is March, uh, February, March, and that vaccine should be working now. Now, I understand that statistically, there is a chance that people who are vaccinated will contract the vaccine. It will have lesser and lighter effects on them than it would if they were not vaccinated. 
But still, in your mind, when you go, whoa, well, he was vaccinated, what's he doing getting this virus? Even if it is a mild case, if he can get it, then I can get it because I was vaccinated. I mean, I don't hang around in the same area um, in a clubhouse with a whole bunch of people in the indoors, but most of his life is outdoors, of course, on the ball field, where statistically the chance of even getting the virus if you're not vaccinated is something like, I don't know, 0.01. The newest CDC guidelines said it's, it's not impossible, but it's highly, highly unlikely that you're going to contract it indoors. So what do you think of this, Mike? So I think this is something that we have to become or we have to grow more accustomed to seeing going forward because this is what's going to happen. It's within the margins of the of the statistics. So you have to say it seems like so far away and just that 0.0% or whatever whatever the actual number is until it happens to you or until it happens to somebody in your orbit. So yeah. to see it somebody within the sports world where we have the eyes on them, maybe that helps normalize us that, that this actually is something that statistically is going to happen. There are these breakthrough cases, but that still should not, you know, that should not convince you not to get the virus oh, no, or no, not to finish not your vaccination. Yeah, not to finish your vaccination. Oh, no, of course you do. And that. so, for you to focus on the other side, which is just to assume that you're putting yourself into a into a so-called dangerous position well, of being I'm a inside, paranoid old man. Right. It, it, this could happen <laughs> wrong place, yeah. wrong time. So we, I think that's the this next phase, which is which you're starting to see in, in here in the DMV in DC. You're looking at how our cities are going to start opening up in the next couple of weeks, but you have to start to accept. Okay, there is this. There is this you know, risk that's going to be literally in the air going forward. I would say that it is a risk that statistically is probably even smaller than getting in a car accident. I would say that. But when you are conditioned to believe that your safety is insured by vaccination, insured is probably too strong, but that your safety is really, really ameliorated by vaccine, and then you hear, in my case, because I spent my whole life in sports, I hear of a third base coach getting this who's been fully vaccinated. And I think that baseball teams in general and sports teams in general take great precautions, you know, and bubbleize themselves wherever they can take great precautions to prevent the spread of this because it would knock you out for like a week or two. You know, look what look what happened to the Vancouver Canucks. So, I mean, I think they take a lot of time and energy to make sure this doesn't happen when you see it happen in this random crazy way it makes you go as i went on television yesterday all right let's say that let's say that you had a oh go ahead nigel phil nevin 50 by the way turned 50 this past january okay not a kid let's say you were invited to go see i don't know the getaway game at nats park tomorrow against the phillies would you go yes with this type of yes but i would also wear a mask i would wear a mask in the stands i would be that person who wore the mask in the stands yeah even though i you know like when i go to the golf course i wear a mask while on the driving range, even though I'm no closer than six or eight feet from anybody near me, and yet when I play, I take the mask off. And the same, th- and I'm probably closer on the green than six or eight feet to a lot of people, and I take it off. Because I believe it's virtually impossible to get it through that kind of contact from other people who are vaccinated. But, but I do understand when you get up to the range and you see a row of people, yep. that is something that you've been conditioned over the last year Stay plus away. to avoid. Stay away. Avoidance. Absolutely. All right, let's take a break. Um, when we come back, David Aldridge, right now that of is- The Athletic, will join us to talk about a whole bunch of things, including Russell Westbrook's record, which... Hard I, to say. It's not that I'm... It's Russell Westbrook's record. That is a very hard thing to say. It's not that I'm <laughs> skeptical array. of him as a player, 
It's that I just, I think he's, I don't know what the record means. So we'll get David to talk about that and Bradley Beal and, you know, and the athletic, maybe the FP story. That's the athletic story, right? Yeah. They broke that story, one of their reporters. So maybe David can talk about that. David Aldridge, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the new Hera ad. I, I remain excited about this. I said to Michael when we found out we were doing the ad, Michael, we've got to do this. And Michael, what did you say to me? It's on you. <laughs> yeah, it's on you. And then what did you say you. after that? I don't know. You said what? Yeah, what? Because literally your soundscape didn't pick it up. Because yes. I don't hear. I've got something new to share with you that will make tuning into the show even better. And those are the new Hera IQ Buds 2 Max, the next generation of hearable technology that gives you the power to control and alter your soundscape. I like that word soundscape, I like landscape, I like hardscape, I like soundscape, I like escape, as in let's get out of prison, escape. <laughs> Love soundscape, doesn't it? Raising E-R. Arizona, escape. <laughs> um, so so I'm, I will, by next week, I will force Michael to, to make sure that I can- They're charged, they're yeah. already paired with your phone. I got to figure it out. I have- Tap, turn it- Michael has to figure it out. Do I get to wear them all the time? You can wear them whenever you want to wear them. Okay, that's great. You're going to be blown away with the IQ Buds 2 Max. It's no wonder they were selected as one of Time's best inventions of the year in 2020, and I'm really grateful to have them. Experience the world's most advanced hearing bud for yourself and go to newhera.com to order today. That's, I have to spell that because you're not, it's not a word. It's a made-up word, Newhera. It's a brand, so it's N-U-New. Here, H-E-A-R-A, Nuhira, N-U-H-E-A-R-A.com. Go to Nuhira.com to experience the magic of IQ Buds to Max. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the rabbi Misha Ben David in Austin, Texas, home of the University of Texas. And he writes, attaches my personal tribute to Tom Petty. <clears throat> Not one of his songs, but one of mine written with Tom in mind. I sure miss him. It's called Nightfalls. I play and sing everything. I'll be releasing my second solo disc, Love Rules, later this year. and would love a mailing address to get my music to you on disc. Do you know that my car doesn't have a CD player? Not even hidden, like in a glove compartment? No. My car, does, it's a 2020, and it does not have a CD player. Oh, he sounds like Tom Petty. That's really good. A rabbi who sounds like Tom Petty. Everybody would want to go to that congregation. <laughs> he plays in David Aldridge, now of The Athletic, and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things that have to do with sports in the local area. Um, and I want to start with Russell Westbrook. And I understand mm. that he's a member of the Wizards now. You know, he's been here an hour and a half. And he's he's not really ours. I mean, he's here, he's wearing this uniform, but he's... You know, it takes a while. Bradley Beal is ours, but I don't know that Russell Westbrook is. But David, having been around basketball for so long, what do you think of what do you think of his record that that he now has more triple doubles than anyone in the history of the NBA? Uh, Tony, I think it, it it has to be viewed as an amazing uh, accomplishment. You know, whatever you think of Russell Westbrook, and I know a lot of people have opinions. Um, you know, if it was easy to do this, then someone else would have done it by now. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, yeah. it's not easy. It's not easy to do. Um, it, he does it at a clip that is 
astonishing for an NBA player to be able to do. Um, you know, I was talking with somebody about this yesterday, and and you would think, you know, if you're a guard to get 10 rebounds a game, I mean, he's like fifth in the league in rebounding, Tony. Think about that. He's a guard. He's a point guard at that. Um, you know, or for a big man to average 10 assists per game, you know, which Jokic is almost doing. I mean, he's close. He's averaging like eight assists a game, which is incredible. That's, that just tells you how hard this would be for someone to do this. And he has now done this four times in the last five years where he's averaged a triple-double for the season after it hadn't been done for 54 years by anybody once. And he's done it four times in the last five years. So, again, you can dismiss this if you like, but I think that speaks to more than what you think of Russell Westbrook for whatever reasons you think that than what he's doing. And if you look at it, as I have, Tony – He's for his career. When he gets a triple double, his team, whichever whether whether it was the Thunder or the Rockets last year or the Wizards this year, his team wins seventy five percent of the time, and that's that's on the lower. That's not even the top percentage for guys that average a triple double. So what happened? What I mean is, when a guy gets a triple double, his team almost always wins the game. <laughs> So it's not this an empty th- stat. It directly right. correlates with winning at a very high level at, at, on, a, on a scale of somewhere around between three quarters and 80% of the time. If your guy gets a triple-double, your team wins the game. So I did not know that, and that is the perfect antidote to Bradley Beal scoring 40 or more, and his team's record is 8-22 and 22 in those games, exactly. which is the worst exactly. in NBA history. I didn't know that. The, the not, and I don't want to make this seem like a knock on Westbrook because he plays really hard, and I'm really happy to see him play. The one thing I would say about these statistics, and I don't know if you know this, this was in the Post story yesterday. Over the last nine years, you have seen 700 um, times as many triple doubles as nine years ago. Not 29 years ago or 39 yeah. years ago when Oscar played but just nine years ago. So they are becoming more and more common. The, the, the statistic that bothers me, and, and Westbrook's assists are, are great, but I think assists are far easier to get now, far cheaper than they were back in, in the, the day that Oscar Robertson played. How do, you, do you have thoughts on that? Oh, they're uh, uh, easier. I mean, they're more plentiful because people, yeah. you know, just because there's more offense in the game zone. I mean, it's just... You know, a fact yeah. of life. They've, they've legislated all the defense out of the NBA. That's out right of it. Now. Yep, that's right. Um, and so, sure, yeah, there's more opportunities for assists because people are just able to score much easier now than they did before. That's a fair point. Um, but again, I keep coming back to again. If it was easy, then more players would be doing it. These are the best players in the world, and right. only one guy is doing it. It's not like there's 40 guys averaging a triple double every year now. There's one guy that does it. There's one guy that has three times as many triple doubles as the second as the number two guy in the league this year, which is Jokic who had I fifteen or sixteen, I'm not sure. Westbrook's got what, thirty <laughs> five? You know, like this year? I mean it's ridiculous. So I mean he's he's just doing it at a much higher level than anybody else in the league. I'm I'm glad to know that thing that it usually translates into a team win because, yeah, that that gives it a little bit more validity. I would say this, I, and I got I want to get to the point that Scott Brooks made. 
Scott mm-hmm. Brooks, of course, wants to keep his job and <laughs> likes Russell Westbrook a lot and coached him yeah. before in Oklahoma City and is praising, I think, wildly optimistic praise about Russell Westbrook. But I will ask David about this. Mm-hmm. He has no rings. He's playing for a 10th place team. And Scott Brooks declared he's the second. When he's done, he's going to go down as the second greatest point guard ever. I, I, you know, I just go, whoa, no, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, what well, do you that, think? That, well, that's absurd, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's it is. Yeah, yeah, absurd. But, that's absurd. I mean, as much as I like Russell Westbrook, and he's a great player. Um, you know, if, if you're saying Magic Johnson, as I, as I think we all agree, is, is the best it's point one. guard of all time. Yeah. Um, now, you can dismiss Oscar Robertson, um, as, as most people do, that never saw him I play. Won't. Yeah, um, I'm not going to do that <laughs> because the people that did see him play that I talked to tell me how great he was. And I have to great. take that into account. Um, he's not better than Isaiah Thomas. He's not better than John nope. Stockton. Um, nope. He's, you know, I don't think he's better than Oscar Robertson. Um, he's not. But I can't say that with certainty because I didn't see Oscar play live. But again, the people that did see him play live tell me he was incredible. Um, so I think he's in the top 10, certainly. Um, but is he, is he the second best? No, I don't think he's second best. I think I think Isaiah. You can't dismiss Isaiah Thomas, who won two two NBA championships with the Pistons, uh, won a national championship at Indiana, would have certainly won a gold medal in 1980 if the Olympic team hadn't boycotted the summer games, you know, in Moscow that year. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just think that that's, that's grossly unfair to Isaiah Thomas. No, I mean, uh, um, I'll Stockton. give you more people. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'll give you more people, David. I'll give you people that did not win rings just mm-hmm. as he didn't win rings. And Stockton is one of them. And Steve Nash is one of them and he's not better yeah. than them. I'll give you guys who were point guards on championship teams, multiple championship teams, Dennis mm-hmm. Johnson, uh, Steph Curry and Walt Frazier, and he's not better than them. I'm not saying yeah. he's they're better than him, but he's not better than them. Well, I think there's a. I think you can make an like you said an argument for for both, right? Like, I mean, I don't. I Dennis Johnson was an awfully good point guard. I, I'm not taking away from him. I think Russell is, you know, worlds better than him offensively. Okay, it's not, it's not even right. close offensively. But Dennis Johnson was a much better defensive player than Russell Westbrook is. I give you that. I think that, I think you can make a you can have an argument about Steve Nash. I think Steve was a great player, he's all of Famer, obviously, uh, two time MVP. Um, is he better than Russell Westbrook? I don't know that I'd say he's better. I think they're comparable. Um, comparable. Uh, That's right. Know, certainly, certainly, you know, Clyde won two rings. You know, yeah. and you got to yeah. that has to be taken into account. And look. As you know, I don't Tony, were you at game seven with the Lakers in the Lakers in nineteen seventy? Were you at that game? No, not game seven. No. Okay. Oh wait, so wait. I, the one the Willis Reed game. Yes, I was at Willis game Reed seven. Game. Yes, okay, I was at so that one. Not the next there. the next time they won. Yeah. Yeah. He so, had an unbelievable he had a Magic well, Johnson well, night. Frazier had like the greatest game that nobody it, ever talks about. Like he had forty two and eighteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, in game that's seven right. thirty seven points. And nobody talks about that game. Like it just, yeah, it just happened, you know. Like so, um, yeah, he was great. He was he was great, and certainly, and again, comparable because Walt was a great defensive point guard, as you know, great and sure. and incredibly clutch offensively. So, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think he's in the top ten. Where he falls in the top ten, I don't know, uh, but he's not number two. 
And I, I would say that it is it is a fabulous trade that the Wizards made to get rid of John Wall and bring in Russell Westbrook. It's fabulous. Yeah. It's stealing. Yeah, I mean, it's stealing. Look at- Right. Look, I wasn't sure because Russell was hurt last year. So, you know, when a guy's in his 30s, you just don't know. Right. You know, can they come back and be the same guy? And he wasn't the same guy. Now, now subsequently, he tore his other quad. Like, he's torn both his quads in the last year. So, it takes time to come back from that. But certainly since the All-Star break, he's been sensational. Yeah. Let me stay with that team. Bradley Beal, yeah. who's, who's a star and who, had he been playing the other night, Russell Westbrook because he's not a good shooter, would mm-hmm. not have taken the last shot. It would have gone right. to Bradley Beal. But right. Bradley Beal now beefing down with <laughs> Kent Bazemore. I mean, is this, doesn't this, it's a bad look for Bradley Beal, I think. I know, people have said that to me. I just think that, I, I just disagree with that. I, I don't have any problem with a guy clapping back when somebody takes a shot at him. Like, he, right. like a shot for no reason. You know what I mean? Like, there was a, and I like Ken. I've known Ken for a long time. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a terrific uh, talker. He's a smart guy. Went to ODU, played down there for, you know, so. Um, and I like Ken. But, you know, I mean, he's basically saying Bradley's shirking it so that he can get the scoring title. And so right. I think Bradley's well within his rights to clap back at that. You know, like that was unsolicited. Nobody said, what do you think of Bradley Beal, you know, missing a game? He just kind of volunteered it. So, yeah, I don't have any problem with Bradley clapping back. It, you know, it's, it's Clapping it's, back is a nice lame. way of putting cursing at him and saying he's straight yeah. lame. Yeah, you know. well, you know, you know okay. don't, don't bother the big dog in the yard. <laughs> All right. Okay. So the Wizards, the Wizards will be in the, in the play-in tournament. Oh, yeah. They still don't play any defense at all, right? I'm assuming they're still yeah. last in the league in defense? Not last, but they're not good. No, they're not. They're not you know. a good. They, they are better in, in certain areas that are important. For example, their, their rim defense has been much better in the second half of the season than it was the first. Um, but do they actually stop people from scoring points? No, no they don't. No, they don't. Right, Tony, they don't. who does in this league anymore? You know what I mean? Like nobody right. does. So, so I know they're not alone in that regard. Um, the athletic has made enormous inroads in the past few years, and they break an awful lot of stories. And yeah. one of the stories they broke is the FP Santangelo story uh, yeah. that. They talked to a woman, and, and I want to be very careful here. They talked to a woman who was accusing F.P. She is as yet unnamed, I believe, but is accusing F.P. Santangelo of untoward behavior, of sexual yeah. harassment and untoward behavior. As a right. result of that, I think it's as a direct result of that, he's off the air. I don't right. know if he's going to get back. I don't think you know if he's going to get back. But what do you make of, what do you make of this story? Well, Tony, as, as we both know, in, in situations like this, it, you do not want to get above your ski over your skis. You bet. And make proclamations that you can't back up. I don't know what to make of it, Tony. I mean, there's an accusation. There was an accusation that was deemed serious enough by Masson to take FD Santangelo off the air. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, we will find out if it's true or not. Uh, you know, in due course, um, it's a, you know, it's a terrible thing. You know, it's a terrible thing. A woman believes this happened. He says it didn't happen. As ever with these things, the we'll, we'll we I don't know that we'll ever find out the actual truth. We will find out some of the truth in the next few weeks, I guess. Um, and and then we will make. I'm sure 
uh, Masson will make a determination about uh, FP Santangelo's future there. Um, but other than that, I just don't really have a whole lot to add. I mean, I yeah. just know that, that, that there's a woman who says this happened. He says it didn't happen. And I, I don't know that, you know, I don't have no idea if this is going to be, you know, civil, criminal. I have no idea if it's going to be in the judicial system at all. Um, but I, you know, it, it is, as I said, it was deemed serious enough by Masson, incredible enough by Masson that they took him off the air, you know, which they didn't have to do. Um, but she, the, the woman made, you know, social media posts making some of these accusations and, you know, they, they did what they did and that's what were reported on. I mean, you know, if they hadn't done anything, obviously I don't think we would know about this, but they did. My, re they my reaction to it, my reaction immediately in reading the stories about it is the Nats, blamed Masson and blast Masson blamed MLB, which was yeah. uh, what you're blaming yeah. MLB. No, 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 no. Cause Masson cleared him first. And Correct. then after the story came out, took him off the air. <laughs> yeah, you, exactly. you and I are in the same position that we do not know uh, what is true and what is not true. And, uh, and you'd be crazy to take a position on this, but I just found it. Exactly. I found it interesting. And, and I wanted to give credit to the athletic. I'll get you out of here on this. The yeah. Nats are killing me. Their bullpen stinks, and most of their hitters stink. The larger question here, the larger question to think about, yeah. is do you think that they will, in the last year of Max Scherzer's contract, who has yeah. been the greatest free agent signing ever, do you think that they will trade him? I can't, no, I don't think so, Tony, because, you know, as bad as they've been of late, last week they were in first place. You know what I mean? Like, so, yes, I, I don't yes. think you can... So they're one good winning streak away from maybe being back in first place. And, and it's not like anybody is running away and hiding in the NL East right now. So until you get Strasburg back on the mound and, and he has a half dozen starts and, you know, I think. By 2028, you know, you know, he'll have that. Yeah. <laughs> See, now we're back to this again. <laughs> well, yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I don't think you can make judgments. I mean, you know. I don't think you can make final judgments about the team. It's the, you know, it's not good that their middle relief, which we thought would be a strength has, has been very inconsistent. I, you know, I thought Finnegan was going to be terrific this year. I thought Brainy was going to be terrific this year, based on <sighs> how they performed last year. And they've both been not good, uh, not good enough. Right. Um, and you know, the back end, I'm not so, I'm not that worried about Brad Han. I think he just had a couple bad outings. He's been, pretty consistently good for a while now. I would be very surprised if he didn't get back to that at some point. Um, and, and Hudson's been pretty good. So, um, but the hitting to me is what worries me. Tony. Awful. That's what really they don't bring me. anybody in. No, they don't bring I mean, anybody they in on Trey Turner yeah. gets on, you know, Soto gets on and then Bell and Schwarber have not been driving Stink. people in. They just haven't Stink. been. Um, yeah. And that's a big, that's a big question mark for me because I don't know how you fix that. You know, it's not like there's a guy down on the farm that you can just bring in and, and plug him into the lineup. Um, so, you know, it's got to be Bell and Schwarber have got to start hitting their weight, you know, for this thing to work. It's been bad. David, thank you. Talk soon. David Aldridge, Absolutely. boys and girls. Thank you. All right. Uh, we will take a break. We will come back. Chuck Culpepper. And we will talk about the horse. We will talk about Medina Spirit um, and the advancing news on that horse running in the Preakness. When we return, I am Tony Kornheiser. 
You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. I think this is well written. It's May and things are blooming. Why not see if your home and auto insurance savings can bloom too? We're almost halfway through the year. Head into June with one less thing to worry about. See if you are overpaying for home and auto insurance. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in one place. They can help you find home and auto coverage similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. They have saved shoppers up to $1,055 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. Getting started is easy. You go to policygenius.com. You answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property, and Policy Genius takes it from there. They will compare rates from America's top insurers from Progressive to Allstate to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. And if they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they will switch you over for free. I mean, honestly, what, what more would you be able to ask out of that? So head to PolicyGenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here's a letter from Keith Brown, who writes, I'm in a band in Madison, Wisconsin, called Hollow Bill. A friend of mine, Jay Johnson, recently had two songs played on the Tony Kornheiser show. With his band, Three Yards to Dover, he suggested we reach out to send two or three of our songs for consideration as well. I've always been a big fan of Tony. PTI's DVR'd at my house every day. Be cool to be featured on the show. We're releasing, they just released our debut album, Poets and Neckties. That came out last month. They're planning a Midwestern tour this summer, COVID permitting. So exposure would be awesome. The band is called Hollow Bill, and the name of the song is Get Me Out of Here. It's got a Paul Simon ring to it, it seems to me. Um, Michael, if people want to send in their original music to this show, and we live and thrive on their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonyquinizershow.com. Okay. Chuck Culpepper joins us. And as I said to him off air, I don't want to waste his arm. I don't want to burn him out in relief, but... This is a news story. The Medina Spirit story is a news story now. It advances every single day, and every single day more things come up for debate. Yesterday, two things happened that were interesting uh, enough to put the show, put it on PTI. One was that the trainer, the most famous and most celebrated and most accomplished trainer in Kentucky Derby history, Bob Baffert, said, oops, oops, I said that we never gave this horse this particular drug. But indeed, we did, and he had to recant on that. And for those people who doubt Bob Baffert's veracity, this is another thing that they can use to poke holes in him. The second thing is the horse was entered in the Preakness, was given a post position on the draw. It's in the race. A lot of people would say, why is it in the race? Well, one of the reasons it's in the race is the protocols of DQing a horse. Um, usually they insist on the second sample being tested. That has not happened yet. It won't happen for a while. Although, and this is my first question for Chuck, I am told, I was told yesterday that the Maryland State Authority, which governs the Preakness, has a rule about this particular drug. And if on a test that they took yesterday, if that shows up at all in Medina Spirit's system, Medina Spirit will be scratched from the race. Is that true? That's true. And Kentucky actually has that same, the same rule. Of course, we didn't know the test result when the race is, was, was run. So this is different with Maryland, where there will be a test result, which will come back awfully rapidly. And, um, and, we'll, and we'll show this. Uh, Kentucky 
formerly did not have that rule. They had a rule where there was a threshold of 10 picograms, but late last summer they changed the rule and you couldn't have any of this substance beta-methasone at all in your in the system of the horse. Um, 14, any 14 day window before the race, it could not be there at all. So Baffer himself was confused about that at the far, at the barn on uh, Sunday at Churchill Downs when he was kind of asking around to people around him, what, there's a legal limit, what is it? And somebody said 10 and he said 10. Uh, but that as of late last summer was no longer the case in Kentucky. And it's also no longer, it, it is also not the case in Maryland. You can't have any of it in the system. So let me let me explain to people who are wondering about this. It is a steroid. It is a cortical steroid. It's not an anabolic steroid. It's not the kind of thing that baseball players take on the sly in order to give them more power and faster swings. Um, and a friend of mine who knows horse racing pretty well said that it was not injected. It was massaged in. And that is something that's important to this. Does that ring as important to you? It does. It makes me think, when I first heard that, I thought maybe that's why the mistake was made, because I, I sort of think it has to be a mistake, uh, because it's so it's such a silly error to make if you're, if you're trying to cheat. You know, you'd be a, you would be an inept cheater in that regard. So mm -hmm. I think, I think the, the fact that it was, you know, it's an, it's an ointment that's put, you might use it on your dog's ear for an infection. It's that yep. kind of thing. And so the fact that they, they did not inject it, which is what we were kind of thinking at the beginning, that, you know, that this is used for joint pain and to uh, try to help a horse who might have soreness or ailments in that regard. And the fact that it's, it was a skin issue, um, yeah, it did make me think maybe that's why. The, if the, and if they still thought the threshold was 10, maybe that's why they, uh, they goofed on that. So um, the horse has entered in the race now, but Bob Baffert has said he's not going. He's going to let the assistant trainer prep the horse, give instructions to the jockey. He's not going to physically be there. Uh, I assume he's not going to physically be there because he doesn't want to go through the hassle of being asked a thousand questions about this that would make him extraordinarily uncomfortable. But I would ask you, as someone who has covered horse racing, um, a, is it unusual? And B, is it to the detriment of the horse? I would say A, highly unusual. I can't recall this ever. And there might be one in the Triple Crown races I've worked, but I just can't, rem I couldn't fish one out of memory. And, and uh, B, is it, I don't think it's necessarily detrimental to the horse. The assistant trainer, Jimmy Barnes, you know, knows these horses as well as Baffert does. And, and I, I don't, I don't think it matters at all to the horse. I think there's a chance, one of those mysteries of the sport that we'll never know that it might help if it reduces commotion in some way, but mm -hmm. I, I, we, we can't ask the horse, of course. So I just, um, I think there's a chance it could help. I don't think it will necessarily have an effect on the uh, performance. Well, this, um, this entire controversy is like a sword uh, poised above Baffert's reputation. Um, I know Baffert a little because he's good friends with a good friend of mine. I've enjoyed being in his company. I'm sorry about this happening to him, but I think there are an awful lot of people out there, Chuck, 
who think that Baffert is on the edge of the rules all the time and slips over the side on a regular basis. How would this affect his reputation if indeed the second sample from the Kentucky Derby comes back positive? I think it would sit there like an anvil atop the reputation for good. I do. I think it would be one of the first things that would be brought up, you know, and that's quite something to ponder when you consider six previous Kentucky Derby wins and I believe it's 17 or 16 triple crown race wins pending this one. Um, when you consider those things, which is such a, you know, a gaudy level of, of achievement and victory and that you could set it against uh, this, this uh, second ever disqualification for drug use in a Kentucky Derby. It just kind of goes to show how much people, I think the human mind is really gravitates towards stories like this and toward uh, cases of, you know, what's behind the, we're all what's behind the curtain. We all want to mm, know what's yeah. behind the curtain. And I think that would be the factor, the, the uh, human factor that would, that would make this such a, sort of a heavy mark upon his reputation. I mean, I, I don't think you can discount this. I don't want to go into Robin Gavon's area of fashion, but I don't think you can discount the jaunty way that Baffert carries himself, the sunglasses that he uses, all of those things which make him look different than other horse trainers and give him a certain amount of charisma and probably annoy a lot of people, don't you think? Oh, for sure. And this goes all the way back. I was looking, when he was a trainer of quarter horses at Los Alamitos in California in the eighties. And he won very quickly and, and became prominent very quickly. And this goes all the way back to that. I was reading a story by the excellent Steve Lowry in the Los Angeles times from 1988, just talking about around that track at that time, they said he's different from everyone else. He has a, you know, he has a Swiss watch was in there. He drives his custom Jeep station wagon and, um, just has an air about him. He was excited at that point from getting invited to the Playboy Mansion because of his success as a trainer in quarter horses, which uh, which was a path that uh, uh, the quarter horse path that D. Wayne Lucas had taken mm -hmm. for him as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, but he was just different from it. the story is all about how he was different from everybody else at that point. And so, there is that element in there when you come along into any environment and you're not the same as everybody else, you must, it, it's just the, the way people are, you must face that sort of, you know, that sort of perception from other people that, oh, there's something amiss here. 1988, I was working for a living in 1988, so it's a <laughs> long time ago. I tried to figure this out yesterday, and I don't know if I'm right. Um, the horse, Medina Spirit, was established as the morning line favorite, but I, I sort of thought, Chuck, that you would immediately say to yourself, well, I mean, the horse cannot have any drugs in its system now or they won't let it run. So you can be assured you would think that this is a clean horse. Would betters say, I'm not going to bet him in the Preakness, even though it's a shorter race and he went right to the lead in the Derby and held on. I'm not going to bet him because he won the other race on drugs and he won't be as fast. That's how I thought betters would look. But feel free to tell me, oh, no, you're crazy. They'll bet the horse down. They'll love the horse. Oh no, you're accurate. I think um, <laughs> it's. I think I just recall. I don't bet as a rule, but I just recall 
betters I've known in my life who used to look at, for example, Lasix, and I don't think that's a parallel to this as a drug, but mm-hmm. people would look at a horse that was newly on that and bet it for that reason, you know, as, as a major reason among the priorities of that wager. So I don't know how many wagers would would look at it that way, if there would be enough, you know, to to move him dramatically along the board, but I would be stunned if there were not some or more than some. Um, get you out of here on this, on a 1 to 10 rating. What do you think the odds are that Medina Spirit will actually run in the Preakness? Not win necessarily, but actually run in the Preakness, which would, by the way, ensure that NBC got a big number on the Preakness. Well, you know, you don't keep a record of this, I'm sure, but I have given you a litany of bum predictions over recent months on <laughs> when talking to you. I gave you Ohio State over Alabama. I got within four touchdowns of accuracy in that. I gave you Serena Williams over Naomi Osaka. I got within two sets there. Um, but I would say that I'm going to say eight or nine. I, I yeah. think um, it'll probably be cleared by now because of that. When you look at that 14 day window as a standard, I think probably would be cleared. And I think he probably would go. And, you know, in 1968, when they had uh, dancers image disqualified from the Derby, and then he ran third in the Preakness, but was docked to eight for interference. Uh, they had a, a big national discussion about the Belmont that year. And uh, what, what would we do if, um, you know, if he won this and what does it mean? And, uh, and, and just forward past the horse who was, had won the first two races at that point. Does, is he a real triple crown winner, given that they had to elevate him to the victory? And a horse called Stage Door Johnny came in and won the Belmont. So that could be what we live through only with a much louder country over the ensuing weeks if he does manage to win this thing and go into the Belmont still with a derby win that's pending and all these questions hovering. Yeah, it's a news story. It's going to be with us for a while. Chuck, thank you so much. And I'm sad to say we will certainly talk soon probably about this. <laughs> Chuck Culpepper, boys and girls. Thank, thank you. you, thank you, thank you. We'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, we have email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Summer is coming. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. Blurst? The blurst, blurst of times? It's, it's a generational thing. Blurst. For so many of us, it's the season of discomfort. It's hot out, and if you could sit around and adjust your underpants, you would. MeUndies wants to make this the summer of comfort, and they want you to know that if you want to sit around in your underwear, that's absolutely allowed. I go back and forth from underpants to underwear. I feel like underpants is more official, so I want to give them that. I like underpants. 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 Get comfortable and express yourself this summer with undies in classic and bold colors and fun and adventurous prints. I've been, I've been doing the underpants read for a, for a while, and it's interesting to see how the technology gets better and better and better. I never really thought of underpant technology. And if I'm being honest, it's exciting when you see the package arrive on, on, your, on your front porch, and yeah. you get to bring it in, and you bring the family around, and you open it together, and you decide. Let's this, see what this print this looks a, like. Is it a classic print this month, or is it an adventurous print? And when you have the Sploot offering, which features your corgis, yeah. you never know. Rushing home to change into something more comfortable is a thing of the past. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Stay comfy in MeUndies all day. Get undies, socks, loungewear, and more, and choose from endless styles and sizes. Extra small to 4XL with their sustainably soft micro-modal. 
and ultralight breathe fabrics. Now, breathe, that's that new tech that I've been talking about. MeUndies has a great offer for Tony's listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has their problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash Tony K. That's MeUndies.com slash Tony K. Good job. Thanks, Dad. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Subaru. <laughs> You're not my kind of car. This is right out of the 50s. This is great. Subaru. I loathe you from afar Subaru You're much too smug Yeah, love your kids You do Honor roll <laughs> But you fill my heart With hate for Subaru This is Joe Arrow singing out of his mind. Great. You can hear the tear in his voice. <laughs> yeah, with lyrics by Harry Saltzer in York, Pennsylvania. That's from a song called Only You. That's fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Nigel, why don't you do the Bethesda bagel ad for us? You know what else is fabulous? Bethesda bagels. We love Bethesda bagels. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and maybe... Uh, I'm not supposed to call them bagel sandwiches. Didn't somebody uh, chastise egg me? Egg sandwiches on a egg bagel. Sandwiches. Yeah. Egg sandwiches. You call them bagel on a sandwiches. Egg sandwiches. You, you know what? Egg. Don't listen to the bagel sandwich. <laughs> bagel sandwiches. I got a new Johnny O code for you. Go ahead. TK May. I, I'm, oh, May. TK May. That's yeah, great. That's I, I easy. I sort of thought that would work. And with people having some more social plans, go yeah. pick up a new uh, button down, a new hanging out shirt. Get Johnny O. It's great stuff. My grandchildren are dressed head to toe in Johnny O. It's lovely. All right, then, it's about it for today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, are you crazy? A man in a really nice camper wants to put our song on the radio? Give me a pen. I'm signing. You're signing. We're all signing. That's from that thing you do. Thanks for our, to our guests today, David Aldridge and Chuck Culpepper. Thanks to our sponsors, MeUndies, Policy Genius, New Hera. Remember that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave a review. I need to correct something. I said that the two great, the two greatest uh, George Clooney movies, Up in the Air and Michael Clayton, both had ties to Omaha. Um, and everybody said, oh, Michael Clayton's in New York. Yes, I understand Michael Clayton's in New York, but I, was, I believed that the young woman who, who came to testify against the agribusiness I believe she was from Omaha, but it turns out Milwaukee, right, Nigel? Milwaukee? Yes, somewhere in Wisconsin. Yeah, I think it's near Milwaukee, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, from Kurt, Curtis Shoemaker. My dad told me when I was young the secret to becoming smart. He said, son, if you want to be smart, read the newspaper every day, all of it, every section. You don't have to read every word, but look at every story in every section. I started then. I've never stopped. To this day, I make the time to look at the paper. Three of them, in fact. One is still the Washington Post. When I started reading the sports section as a kid, the columnists were Mr. Tony, Wilbon, and Boz. Mr. Tony was for laughs, Wilbon was for confrontation, and Boz was for thinking. To this day, that still goes for Boz. I still see Attic Boy and Oscar the Grouch on TV, which is great, but I still read Boz. <laughs> Whenever there's a signing or a problem or a controversy with the Nats bullpen and which word describes it better, kerosene or napalm, I think to myself, what does Boz think? And I find out he makes me think, and I'm better and smarter for it. He makes people think that is a legacy devoutly to be wished for, for one and all. 
from Adam Pankratz. My name is Adam Pankratz, writing to you from Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. I very much enjoyed your tribute to Tom Boswell. I'm 37 years old, yet I was exposed early to the writings of Mr. Boswell as a teenager through his book Strokes of Genius, which I must have read five times as a bedside companion at our summer house when I dreamed I too might make it as a golfer. Though born in 1983, every time I watch a Masters highlight tape from 1986, I feel as though I remember it happening live. No doubt from the multiple time I read the chapter on Nicholas in 86, vividly in Boz's book. I've often wondered if Boz, who you referred to on the show, was the Boswell of my youth and only got my lazy act together to find out upon hearing of his retirement. The main reason uh, I hadn't before was simple. I didn't believe a book from 1987 and written with such a wise and authoritative voice could have been written by the same person still cranking out amazing work for the Washington Post. How uneducated I now feel. All the best from north of the border. From Conrad Rochebo, I hope I pronounced that correctly, in Phoenix, Arizona. What's the promo code to purchase the radiology store? Asking for a friend. Use the code, people. <laughs> I am going tomorrow morning. I have clearance. You're Dr. Kaguchi. Uh, no, I don't have to. Dr. Kaguchi spoke peer-to-peer -peer with the person who was denying me the ability to get the MRI, and I have the ability to get it. I am going tomorrow morning to get it. Okay? Maybe. From Jen Kanuthru Rai. <laughs> Knuthru Rai, I think I have found a new potential solution to your MRI issue. First one booking the MRI, did you use the code? Did you tell the MRI place you'd be using legal tender? More importantly, with the insurance company, did you use the line, do you know who I am? I did not. From Steve Tabor in Fort Smith, Arkansas, I've been catching up on recent shows. I was able to hear Andy Byers' outstanding prediction for the Derby, along with a follow-up email from all the littles who made bank betting on it. Tough luck for me not hearing it until after the race. Instead, I went with Reginald's prognostication, bet on ton on a horse named Mr. Ed. Can talk a big game, can't run for squat. We will try to have Buyer on uh, Friday. We'll try yes. to have Buyer on to pick the Preakness. Uh, from Paul in Stanford, Connecticut. Ever since I started listening to the show, I've been hoping and praying for my own David Aldridge moment. Unfortunately, the tendrils of this show have reached into my dating life and strangled it in its crib. I was out on a first date with a young woman, and while chatting, she mentioned her love for poetry. I asked her who some of her favorite poets nope. were, and the first name out of her mouth no. was Louise Gluck. Despite my best efforts to contain my laughter, she seemed to sense that I recognized the name and asked me if I'd heard of her. I simply responded, I know where she went to high school, and quickly moved the conversation along. Needless to say, the second date at what I can only imagine would have been a beat poetry reading never occurred. Although this show may have condemned me to spending the rest of my life alone, my time will at least be spent without the misery and existential angst of Ms. Gluck. Uh, it's just wonderful. One more. Joe in Lafayette, Louisiana. Instead of turning on the morning news, I found myself choosing a new morning television routine to start the day. The countless reruns of the Golden Girls supplied by the fine people of the Hallmark Channel. Perhaps you're familiar with their oeuvre. During one particular episode, I took notice in a male actor who was portraying one of Dorothy's one-off romantic interests. The voice sounded familiar, but the face was aged in comparison to the role I recognized the gentleman from. A quick search of the internet confirmed my suspicions. Indeed, it was none other than Alex Rocco. This led me to point at the television and exclaim, Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. Yes, Rocco played Mo Green in The Godfather, Godfather 2. And there isn't even a plaque or a signpost or a statue of him in that town. Bonus Hyman Roth quote. Thank you for continuing laughs and giving me the thought to have moments like these, to make my fiancé look at me like I've lost my mind, yelling movie <laughs> quotes out of context at the television at 6 a.m. Just this once. 
I allowed her to ask me <laughs> So great. If you're out on your bike time, everyone, as always, do wear one. You know what? Get me out of here.
and the night as it falls, the night falls down, the night falls.